Hi, this is Jeff Steele. Today we're reading Acts 27, verses 27 through 44. About midnight on the fourteenth night of the storm, as we were being driven across the Sea of Adria, the sailors sensed the land was near. They dropped a weighted line and found that the water was 120 feet deep. But a little later, they measured again and found it was only 90 feet deep. At this rate, they were afraid they would soon be driven against the rocks along the shore, so they threw out four anchors from the back of the ship and prayed for daylight. Then the sailors tried to abandon the ship. They lowered the lifeboat as though they were going to put out anchors from the front of the ship, but Paul said to the commanding officer and the soldiers, You will all die unless the sailors stay aboard. So the soldiers cut the ropes to the lifeboat and let it drift away. Just as day was dawning, Paul urged everyone to eat. You have been so worried that you haven't touched food for two weeks, he said. Please eat something now for your own good, for not a hair of your heads will perish. Then he took some bread, gave thanks to God before them all, and broke off a piece and ate it. Then everyone was encouraged and began to eat, all 276 of us who were on board. After eating, the crew lightened the ship further by throwing the cargo of wheat overboard. When morning dawned, they didn't recognize the coastline, but they saw a bay with a beach and wondered if they could get to shore by running the ship aground. So they cut off the anchors and left them in the sea. Then they lowered the rudders, raised the foresail, and headed toward shore. But they hit a shoal and ran the ship aground too soon. The bow of the ship stuck fast, while the stern was repeatedly smashed by the force of the waves and began to break apart. The soldiers wanted to kill the prisoners to make sure they didn't swim ashore and escape, But the commanding officer wanted to spare Paul, so he didn't let them carry out their plan. Then he ordered all who could swim to jump overboard first and make for land. The others held on to planks or debris from the broken ship, so everyone escaped safely to shore. All right. Now, the situation at sea had turned extremely grim. It was the middle of the night, and it was dark. Think about being in a storm. All the stars and moon are blotted out by the clouds, and you're out to sea with no electricity. They couldn't see where they were headed, but they were still being driven by the winds. They took a couple of depth readings and found the water to be getting shallower. Running into land was imminent, but they couldn't see whether they were headed towards a beach and a soft landing or a cliff, which would likely kill them all. So, The sailors did everything they knew how to do. After testing the water, they threw out the anchors to slow or stop the ship's trajectory toward whatever danger was in front of them. And when they had done all they could, the Bible says they prayed for daylight. Praying for daylight. It's it's kind of an expression now. It means hopelessly lost and out of control and just barely holding on. They had reached the end of everything they could do. And that's such a scary place to be. When life is out of your hands, what do you do? You know, it's really tempting when things are just crazy and beyond control to just throw up your hands in despair, right? I remember a movie where a couple of guys were in a car going down a big hill and they discovered that they had no brakes. The one who was driving folded his arms and said, no point in steering now. You know, Some of us do that. Life feels out of control, so what's the point in trying, right? I mean, Jesus, take the wheel, right? Well, yes and no. In one sense, it's good to remember that God is ultimately in control and that we aren't going to make it through the storm without him. So in that sense, yes, Jesus, take the wheel. 
But on the other hand, even though the Bible says that the sailors had lost all hope, that didn't keep them from testing the water and throwing out anchors, right? They had training. They knew how to do some common sense things that could increase their admittedly slim chances of survival. So they did those things. Even in the midst of the storm, even when they felt like all hope was lost, maybe because they didn't know what else to do, they kept going. Now, let's also note how prayer is so often the last resort, isn't it? After they had done everything they could do, they prayed for daylight. It's almost like, you know, prayer is an afterthought. There's an old, old story about a a church meeting where the people couldn't come to an agreement, and so somebody said, well... Let's pray about it. And another man piped up and said, Has it come to that? Now, of course, if somebody really said that in a meeting, we would quickly correct them and point out that prayer is not a last resort. It isn't something that we turn to only after we've exhausted all other possible options. But that question rings somewhat true to the way that we often approach prayer, doesn't it? Has it come to that? I mean, I've made a checklist. I've done everything I can possibly do to solve this problem. Now I guess there's nothing left to do but to pray. I mean, wow, is that really what we've come to? I didn't know it was that bad. Remember all the way back uh, towards the beginning of the book of Acts, the apostles had laid out their ministry priorities, and they had two. They made sure that they were focused their time on sharing the word of God and prayer. Those were their non-negotiables. They did not skip out on prayer because they were too busy preaching the gospel. And neither did they sit in a closed room somewhere praying for the world to be saved without actually going out and doing something about it. They had both. And I believe their lives had so much purpose and their ministries were so effective because they prayed and they did as they were called to do. They worked, and they served, and they prayed, even in the storms, even in the difficulties and the seemingly insurmountable obstacles. They worked, and they prayed. And so it's perfectly natural for Paul, sitting on this boat that is about to be shipwrecked, to pray. He took the time to give thanks to God before they ate a meal together during that dark night, waiting for dawn. And, when, and, and then they had enacted a desperate plan to run the ground, boat aground on a beach. So what about us today? I have two questions, and, and these are the questions that I'm thinking about for me as well as for all of us. What are you working for that you are not currently praying about? And then the second question is, what are you praying about that are you, you are not currently working towards. Let's pray. God, today, we thank you that you can take control of things that are beyond our control. And let's just be honest, that's pretty much everything. Um, we, we hold on to the illusion that we are in control of things, but God, ultimately, it's you. And so we want to acknowledge that right now. Um, but God, you call us to be part of things too. Like you, you let us um, do uh, significant things in in ministry and serving others, and um, you 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 call us to those things. You you let us be a part, and for that we are incredibly honored. And so, 
my prayer today is that we would um, that we would pray. God, we would be called to pray because we need you desperately, and that you would um, speak to us as we pray and and as we seek you. That that you would show us the way that you want us to go, and that God, we would follow you obediently, courageously, into the dark. God. Um, Guide our steps, even if it's just one at a time. And I pray that you call us to action while you're calling us to prayer. God, let us follow you today in your name. Amen. Have a great day.